0: Hi, welcome to Offscript, I'm Zach Lewis
1: And I'm Dr. Draper
0: Today on the show we're talking about Thor, Love and Thunder uh, The new Marvel movie's out, we went and saw it And uh, we're also talking about this little movie on Shudder On a little streaming service called Mad God By a director Phil Tippett A stop motion animator extraordinaire Really weird movie, Mad God D- Andy and I did not, <laughs> did not know what we were getting into It's a bold cinema, the second half of the show uh, We're going to talk about some upcoming trailers Some exciting things coming this September, November A little bit of news, but first things First, Andy, we were out last week because I had dumb COVID. (laughs) It sucked, man. Uh, So, you know, apologies to the fans for being gone a week, Uh, but I'm back. I'm on fire. I'm better than ever. I can't wait to talk about movies. So... First thing, uh, Netflix is going to start charging for shared accounts in uh, five countries. They are trying this out in South America and Central America. They're going to be charging two ninety nine a month for accounts that are spread across households. Netflix can track this, and they know who's doing it. And uh, you know that's 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 what they're going to start doing. They're going to try it out. They're going to try it out in smaller markets, and if it works, they're going to bring it here to America and lose a bunch of subscribers. Maybe they won't. What 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 what, what do you think about this, Andy?
1: Not in my backyard. Not in my house. <laughs> right. Not not in my America. As my for God. me in my house, we will serve HBO Max. Um, <laughs> yeah. This yeah, is going to have kind of mixed results. Uh, Netflix, a- after years, decades, even of unrestricted growth has started to finally slow down they are losing subscribers and this is one of their ways to kind of still attempt to grow is to cut down on or not cut down on password sharing but to just charge for what's happening already a much lower fee of two ninety nine. dollars they are also going to be experimenting with a lower priced ad supported tier Uh, that has yet to hit uh, but that's always an option some of the other Uh, streaming services already do this. Uh, HBO max, I think has a lower one Hulu. Uh, it's an option. And, uh, but things are not going great for Netflix. They're predicted to have, have a terrible, they have an earnings call in about an hour or actually about 20 minutes. (laughs) Um, Oh Oh, God. Today. And, um, it's probably going to be a disaster. They're looking at maybe a couple million, uh, you know, subscriber loss it's it's going to probably be bad for them so we'll see how that shakes out but this this is one of their ways of trying to get ahead of that and saying you know we're going to be cutting down on on password sharing um it kind of depends a lot of people would rather just cancel if you're not paying for it anyways and they want to charge you some people will just say well i'm not going to do that um but it's not not too much zach what do you think uh, once
0: again, the curse of the show is 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 truer than ever. All the good movie news happens while we're doing the episode. I'm sure there will be something cool in that earnings call that we'll talk about next week. Come back next week on Oscar for more. But regarding this, you're right. Netflix has been trying to shake things up because they're not doing so hot. I don't think this is it, especially because it's not just $2.99 uh, on your account for sharing across houses. It's $2.99 per house. It's $2.99 per, like, Per per I guess per separate IP it's going to I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna work exactly. I, I'm not even sure how they track that. But like, like separate us, locations,
1: something like that. Yeah,
0: our our family account, we've got that across I think four houses. I mean that so so what at three times what twelve dollars more? That's almost double my subscription price. Like and yeah, I guess it's great that Netflix is going to four houses, but like that's not something I'm paying for now what i am paying for now is other services competitors like amazon prime video and hbo max and hulu and apple tv plus that don't charge me for this and they do this complimentary like i i think it's a miss i don't think this is the right idea i think they may make some money up front and they make it people who just begrudgingly go yeah okay i'll keep paying it it's fine but like if if they actually did this here and they kept this model which is smart low cost right 299 that's not a big deal but they price it out per extra house you're going to, like that's going to add up really fast. And it doesn't take long to lose a subscriber at this rate. And once you lose one, it's really hard to get them back. So I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't seem like the move for me. I feel bad for folks in here's the countries, Argentina, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and the Dominican Republic, man, come on. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to test this out in smaller markets and see how it goes. Like those poor folks. They're just trying to watch their damn Netflix. I don't know.
1: Yeah, the other big problem Netflix has had is not only getting new subscribers, but keeping subscribers. They're finding that people are signing up for like a month to just you know watch Stranger Things, and then and then they're off again. They don't really have a lot of continuing IP or shows or movies to really keep people engaged.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if this is going to work as a long term strategy. Only time will tell, but. As for me in my house, uh, like Andy said at the top, like I don't know, I, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be subbed to Netflix. Andy, you're in the same boat, I'm sure. Like it's on the chopping block. If I got to cut one one month, because I just feel like eh, I want to cut down on my monthly expenditures, my subscription services. I, Netflix is an easy one to go. Like it's a low impact library. They don't have a lot going on over there right now. Stranger Things just wrapped. I don't know. A lot of their libraries
1: uh, available elsewhere as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. A lot of their stuff is available on other platforms, like Amazon Prime Video, that already comes with my Prime subscription, that has a host of other benefits alongside it. HBO Max has, like, a much more robust library, including Turner Classic Movies, a ton of stuff from Cartoon Network, and they're combining with Warner Brothers in the next year. Like, that, there's a lot of other things going on in the market, like... I don't know Netflix is trying to be A trailblazer And it feels like They're going in the wrong direction We will see What that earnings call Has to say We'll report back Next week On Offscript You want to hear that episode Just subscribe And then it'll Come right to your phone When it comes in Anyway Our next story Kevin Spacey Is out of con Uh, Can Con Parts ways uh, Following UK Sexual assault charges Lately uh, There has been a run Of what seems like Celebrities That are trying to Make make a comeback Right Johnny Depp Just got through his trial And he's going to be In some new movie I saw James Franco is going to be in some new film after four years of doing nothing amid his allegations and now Kevin Spacey is getting pushed to the back of the line no sir we do not have any crooks
1: in our film industry uh, Andy what do you think about this um, well I wanted to first start of say is that you we know, do we're not a gossip podcast we're not here for the celebrity gossip but this does impact films themselves and that's why we're bringing it up and it is important to address that these uh, things are still going on Kevin Spacey is going to be going being put on trial for, I think it's five counts of, of sexual assault uh, that happened in the past uh, couple of de- decades in the UK. He has faced similar uh, charges in or allegations in LA as well. Most of those have kind of disappeared or been dismissed. I mean, some of the defendants literally suspiciously died. Um, so th- this is. Not been something new for him. He will uh, not be again. He won't be part of of the Khan Film Festival. And he there are a couple of films he was going to star in that uh, have dropped him as as the lead. One is called Twelve Forty Two, Gateway to the West, uh, which is a some sort of Genghis Khan film. And then uh, there was another one called Oh, I just had it, Peter, 5'8". Uh, Peter Five I Eight. Peter Five Eight, yes. I'm not sure what that's about, but it's two films that he was supposed to star star in and hopefully be. You know, mount a comeback from his earlier allegations, and uh, that's kind of back in the the spotlight. So that's what's ha- what's happening uh, with this situation.
0: It's worth mentioning, like neither of these films seem particularly large in scale. Twelve Forty Two is about Genghis Khan invading Hungary, uh, and it's a, it's a Hungarian film filmed in Hungary, I think, uh, which is also where, funny story, Rob Zombie's The Munsters is filmed. We're gonna <laughs> talk about that trailer about halfway through. This. <laughs> the show, just i don't know I, that shouldn't represent hungary's film industry but just we'll, we'll get to it stay tuned uh and peter five eight was also a small production um this stuff seems to happen a lot in the film industry hollywood seems to get away with much more than they should and i think it's more than good when people are held accountable um i hope kevin spacey continues to be held accountable especially with uh You know, a slew of people who have mysteriously turned up dead in regards to this. But like Andy said, we're not a gossip column. Uh, We're we're, we're about bold cinema here. So keep it here on our script for uh, more robust uh, content. And lastly, before we get to our first review for Thor Love and Thunder, at the box office this week, Thor Love and Thunder is impressing folks. Staying at uh, number one. And uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, a smaller feature, does okay and meanwhile top gun is still like on the list i think that movie's just going to be making money forever I, I don't know if they're ever going to pull it out of cinemas at this point it's the new titanic it's, it's yeah it's like the new dark knight
1: they're like we're gonna keep it in theaters for four months like uh, okay great it's a great movie love it you know uh yes thor love and thunder was number one uh last week when we were uh taking the, the week off no surprise there made uh big money and it it was number one this weekend, but it's dropped off steeply—about sixty-eight uh, percent. Brought in another forty-six million. It's just under five hundred million, half a billion dollars. It's doing Marvel money. Uh, no one's surprised about uh, that, but the drop-offs are significant between Doctor. Both Doctor Strange and Thor had pretty steep drop-offs, which is not usually. Usually, Marvel has better staying power, but um, this might be an uh, indication of film quality. Uh, Other notables Minions Rise of Gru came in number two with 26 million and the new kind of summer Oscar bait film Where the Crawdads Sing starring uh, Daisy Edgar Jones surprised with uh, 17 million over the weekend to come in at number three. Um, top Gun Ma- Maverick and Elvis round out the top four and five. Zach, any hot takes on uh, this weekend's box office?
0: Uh, not really, I'm a little surprised where the crawdad Sing didn't do better. That's uh, financed by- Swap girl. <laughs>
1: yeah, right, yeah, financed by
0: Reese Witherspoon as part of the Reese Witherspoon book club, which is like a huge deal uh, in, in book circles as I understand it. Um, that movie, that that book won a bunch of awards, got a ton of play last year, was, was on every like, Shopping list for mom for Christmas. I found I actually did get a copy from my mom, she loved it. So I guess I thought that movie was just gonna have a bit more heat behind it, but it seems like it falls in this weird space, um, that hasn't really recovered since the pandemic of mostly women who aren't really going to the movies. Some do, they turn out for some things. Uh, Sandra Bullock's The Lost City did great, but uh, this one is not doing so hot, and that bums me out. I, I, I think it's you know, I I don't plan on seeing it, but I think it's important to tell relatively serious stories. It's not just like a CGI it's, laden nightmare fuel mess. Uh, you know, I don't it, it bums me out a little. I I I do want to talk about the drop off for Thor though, if if you have any thoughts on that. I don't know, what do you think?
1: Um, well real quick about uh Crawdad's Swamp Girl. um Swamp That's Girl. really the kind of film that in this like kind of day and age that's a Hulu original. Like that's a, it would be right, really good like the straight to streaming drama. Yes, it's, it's a great straight to streaming film. But again, unfortunately, in this climate, if if you're not bringing like tons of action or, or some sort of IP, like look at everything else like Thor, Top Gun, Minions, Elvis is is kind of an outlier there. But that's it's a big, huge or, ordeal. Like where the Crawdads Sing is just it's a it's a mid budget drama. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I was also pleased to see uh, Paramount's children's animated film Pause of Fury: The Legend of Hank" came in at number six, or just under seven million dollars. Do you do you know anything about that movie? I found out a little bit of history. Apparently, that I g- mean that, that was
1: I'm, I'm,
0: that that movie production. I've seen a
1: lot of yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of the trailers, and it, I mean it's it's a kid, it's a kids' film. For the a animation long, looks, sort of looks real
0: like cheap, uh, and I thought it was because it was coming from a small studio, but it's not. It's coming from Paramount because it was made like five years ago uh apparently it like greatly mimics blazing saddles and originally it had a name just like blazing saddles it's like this dog who rides into a cat town and becomes the sheriff and nobody likes him uh you know they changed the title sat on it through covid here we are baby (laughs) dump that children's animated movie perfect like right in the middle of the summer it's great um the, the real quick before we move into thor i just the drop off on on thor love and thunder um How much of that do you think comes from like streaming services? Because I feel like there's a lot of drop off, like on films like this, from people who are just like, "I'll wait till it shows up on Disney Plus." Like, eh. you know, and and I think think, that's why you get that big boon of first
1: week people, right? People who actually want to see it in the theater, and then just people who don't care, right? I think in one sense, it depends on the quality of your movie. Look at Spider Man. Like, people weren't, people couldn't, they were not going to wait for streaming. They're like. I'm going to go see it I'm going to go see it twice, three times in theaters for. It I think it depends on how exciting your 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 film is and how in, and the rewatchability cuz like that's kind of with Doctor Strange and, and Thor to a degree. Once once you've seen it, you've seen it. There's not really a whole lot to unpack on multiple viewings whereas like you know things like Endgame or Infinity War and of course Spider-Man have audiences going back week after week.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Like, and those are just comic book examples. Like at Top Gun, right? Like, Top Gun's killing it. Like, continues to kill it. Nobody's like, Ooh, when's this going to come to Paramount Plus? It will eventually. But for now, like, people want to go see good stuff on the big screen. And uh, word of mouth matters more than ever before. So with that, we should move into our first review of the episode. Andy's graciously agreed to take the summary on this one. Andy, thanks in advance. Uh, take it away.
1: Thor, Love and Thunder. Kids get to popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of the space Viking, Thor Odinson. So this is the fourth entry in the Thor franchise, uh, starring Chris Hemsworth, uh, Taika Waititi, Natalie Portman, uh, Tessa Thompson, among others. Uh, this is the twenty-something <laughs> film in the MCU God, uh, series. Looks, we find we we find Thor. Um, kind of having a midlife crisis, a bit of a loss of like, what do I do? What am I doing with my life? Which is kind of where he is in the third movie. So it's a little bit of a repeat. Um, <laughs> we we see th- we see that New Asgard has become a big tourist destination. Uh, Thor doesn't really know what to do. He, he's not real real sure. At at the in the meantime. Uh, we meet a new character called Gore, the God Butcher. We meet him before; he's butchering gods as kind of this lowly uh, peasant uh, who suffers a tragedy at kind of at the hands of an of an uh, of an indifferent god. Sorry, uh, and he slays said god with a weapon called the Necro Sword, and eventually goes on a rampage uh, to kill all gods because they're so indifferent they don't care about regular human life, and he eventually goes after Thor so he's the big the big bad guy he's the main conflict uh in the movie his his power is really just kind of this dark sword that he has that can uh kind of kill everything drains light lives in the shadows um and the other big story element we have is the return of jane foster played by natalie portman uh she is struggling with her own uh issues in the film and seeks out mjolnir and becomes a thor herself a and it's a strange thing. We we never call her she Thor. She's just Thor or a Thor. The Mighty Thor. At one point, the Mighty can... Jane Foster. Yeah, the, the Mighty Thor. Um, and so and she's a lot of fun too. So they they team up. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is having a little bit of uh you know long his long lost love. Although he didn't mention it for twenty films, uh, <laughs> he's he he's still in love in love with her. Wants things to w- work out. A lot going on. It's a lot of fun. It's a Taiki Watiti-directed film. So, you know, there's lots of jokes, lots of humor. It's lighthearted, a lot of fun. Zach, what do you think? So, there's this funny
0: relationship I have with certain films that we see in theaters. Like, sometimes I'll go see a movie, and at first I'll think, you know, I didn't really like it. But then you sit on it for a few days, and you keep coming back to it, and you keep just thinking about it randomly. uh, And you start to really come around on it. Uh, Elvis was this way, the Baz Luhrmann film. Like at first I was like, yeah, it was weird. And it was a lot. And I didn't really like it. And then after a few days, I started talking to Andy again. And, and I was like, man, people, this movie's actually kind of, kind of good, man. Like I keep thinking about it. Um, Thor Love and Thunder feels like the opposite of that for me. Um, I think I kind of liked it when I was in the theater. And then the further I get away from it, the more I'm like, okay, this wasn't, this wasn't that good. I did not like this movie. Uh It's fine. <laughs> it's like it's acceptable this this is like as thor you know if, if i was honey. a teacher grading this paper i'd give it a c like it, it's fine you know this doesn't this, this isn't a failure by any means but like man i i just i thought there was going to be more you know taika Waititi coming back after thor ragnarok which was handily the best thor adventure probably one of the better marvel films honestly and 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 this felt like it was going to have the same energy and and it just it's less than some of its parts, um, to me. What, what did you think, Andy? I feel like you liked it a little more than I did.
1: Yeah, I, I felt similarly. It didn't hold up as well as Thor: Ragnarok or other more serious films like uh, Captain America: Civil War and Winter Soldier. You know, those those films have a lot of theme going on in their Winter Soldier is about safety versus, versus security, something that has been a, a very real issue within the United States. Uh, Civil War is about accountability versus kind of like freedom to protect. Like it has these really interesting themes and, and conflicts, and we're completely missing that uh, in this movie. There's a little bit too much going on. Like I said, there, there's the kind of unrequited requited love story of Thor and Jane. There's gore the god butcher played by uh christian bale who frankly to me there's not enough of he's a highlight of the film and he's not in it enough <laughs> yeah. for being the bad guy valkyrie uh played by tessa thompson is she's like mayor of new asgard and bored because you know she wants to be a fighter and missing out on the action so you got all the players you got you know set special effects it just doesn't really come together you have this also, this very kind of strange middle section where they go to talk to Zeus, played by Russell Crowe, channeling Jared Leto in in his—it's like he does this half Greek, half Italian accent. Um, and you, that's something you've probably seen in the trailers a lot. It just—it doesn't come too much. And you know what the earlier Marvel films did is they had a lot of heart. They—they they had real stakes. They had had real uh, feelings and, and emotions. And there are some really serious um topics in thor 4 um but then it's weird because it's juxtaposed between with like lots of jokes and quips and it's like it it shifts around tonally strange and people are as much as they they loved or used to love all the humor in marvel people are starting to kind of get tired of it they're kind of tired of like the, the joke every other line or every other minute it's starting to get a little old
0: yeah, I remember thinking Thor Ragnarok, um, which was Watiti's first kind of swing at the Marvel formula. Um, it felt like a movie that was made by somebody who really didn't like superhero movies. Like it takes our Asgardian hero and whisks him away to a, to a totally bombastic neon planet, strips him of all of his power, and makes only his character like the hero, right? The person he is inside. Like that's what has to. That's what has to. What oh, that's that's what he has to lean on and overcome adversity with in that movie. It introduces Valkyrie, who's an exciting character. Uh Tessa Thompson's okay, Valkyrie, right? Tessa Thompson's character. Yeah. 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 Uh you, you got some good Loki stuff in there. Like that stuff works. And the weakest parts of that movie is like Kate Blanchett's villain in Thor Ragnarok, because that's the most like generic CGI comic book stuff in there. It deconstructed the idea of what one of these movies is and did something new with the formula. It was so good, in fact, that, that people put it on a lot of top 10 lists. Watiti got this movie, right? Like, great, good. Disney's got their exciting new auteur to make movies. Um, this movie feels like it tries to do that same thing. Like, it, it tries to walk back the idea of what the traditional comic book movie is, spend a lot more time with Thor in his character, like, inside of his head. Um, but it's kind of a miss. Uh, it does have strong parts. There, there are bits that work. Uh, namely, like Andy said, uh, Christian Bale's character, Gore the God Butcher, is very interesting. Uh, uh, really good stuff, actually. He's he's giving it his all and doing a great he's job. He's like a cartoon. Yeah, I like Natalie Portman in this movie. Uh, she she actually has a really good arc. Uh, I think I think the Lady Thor, Almighty Thor, stuff works really well. Doctor Jane Foster, as they call her in the movie. Um, I actually thought that was a surprising return to form. I I did not think she was going to be good in this movie because I felt like she was kind of jaded by the Marvel formula. But here she is. And she's great. Uh, You know, and the performances are all right. Hemsworth's fine. But it's just not like (laughs) good. Uh, it spends so much time like laughing and joking about what's happening and like it, it it just deflates everything you're watching. And in an attempt to step back in a way from what we've already seen a million times, right? Like, Oh, villains going to blow up the earth and heroes got to stop him. It comes up with a new idea. Uh, Uh, Thor has to save a young group of Asgardians, uh, instead of like save the whole planet or whatever. Um, but it just also feels uniquely lower stakes and I just don't care. And this is coming on the back of like, the last five or six Marvel movies that have been like really just all right. There's been a couple standouts. You expect this to be an Avenger, right? This is Thor. We're talking about this is Taika Waititi. This is going to be one of the good Marvel movies. Uh, and it just kind of is okay. And when it comes off, okay, that's, that's, that's certainly less than good. And that's not what you want, you know?
1: I think this movie really suffers from Loki not being in here like Tom Hiddleston is God, such does, a highlight yes of of those movies <laughs> and the other Avengers movies that he shows up and he's so good and his the lack his lack of being in this movie uh is really felt um again there's just too much going on like Jane becoming Thor is a huge deal and it just is kind of of rushed i mean the, again i talk about comic book movies need page turn moments that that's what, part of when you read comics it's you get a really exciting page turn there's something amazing on the other side and when jane becomes thor there's tons of moments for that and they it's just like you go through really quick she shows up early in act one like hey i'm thor <laughs> you know <laughs> like you could easily had a whole movie yeah uh about about that um uh, again, Christian Bale's character—he—he he is the god butcher. You—you you don't see him butcher anyone. You see him butcher one god, and then like kind of a trail of destruction. But you don't really see him be be the threat that he's—he's he's made out made out to be. He—he's hamming it up a lot of times because he's like it's like the classic super <laughs> British uh, like bad guy, and he's like the CGI effects on him make him look very ghoulish and very cartoonish. So that that works uh, pretty well. He's he was one of my favorite parts of this, but uh yeah th- it's the p- the plot it's, it's the narrative just not making a lot of sense not being engaging not having that emotional weight that a lot of the the earlier films had
0: yeah the the movie suffers from like really poor pacing uh it's got a lot of scenes of two or three characters standing around talking about what they should do and then flipping to the flashback or a sequence of like Korg who is voiced by Taika Waititi explaining uh past stuff in the marvel universe to set up context for what's happening here and like it's it's just struggling under, under the weight of itself and and the series that it's trying to uphold like ragnarok uniquely got away from this by sending thor to a place he's never been and like pulling him completely out of his element and then it got to like naturally evolve a new story in a new setting this movie does not have that luxury. Most of it takes place in new Asgard, which is like where all the Asgardians who have nowhere to live following the events of Thor Ragnarok are living on earth. It doesn't take any of them seriously. They're, they're all exclusively the butt of jokes, uh, parents who have lost children, people who die, <laughs> like none of it matters. It's turned into like this weird, like Renaissance fair place. That's just like, just the most ham fisted joke. And, and, that tone is throughout the entire film. Like, it, it, it rarely takes itself seriously. And it's it's a bummer because the writer of this is Taika Waititi. Like, he wrote Ragnarok and he wrote this, obviously pulling from elements of the Marvel Joe comics. Joe Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit, right. Love, love Taika Waititi. Um, he's also writing the next Star Wars movie. And like I watching this, I'm like nervous. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what new Star Wars is gonna look like, but this is not a good showing to go into that. Like this, this is not this is not it. It's it we're, just we're, it feels like he had writer's block. It feels like he didn't know what to write. It feels like it's written by committee, and it's just like kind of clumsily put together. Um, just does not yeah, have the polish I expect of him. You
1: know, it's it's a bummer. What well, what I feel with a lot of Marvel films and a lot of big films uh the director is just kind of like the construction manager uh, that he's just there to make sure the home gets built he doesn't design it he doesn't have a say he's just like okay let's make sure this thing gets gets walls and a roof on it yeah um I, i feel like directors don't really have a ton of say you're just there to do what the disney execs and the committee has has said and just make sure the film gets Done. I think Taika Watiti has a little bit more leeway. He a little bit more of his own personality. But I mean, he's written great stuff. Uh, he's got a few good shows out right now. Some people have said that we're might be suffering from uh, overexposure. Uh, you know, he's kind of like the way lin Manuel Miranda was like in everything a few years ago. lin Manuel uh, Mirandification of, of Taika Watiti, yes. Yeah. Uh so that may or may not be true, but it, it's definitely it's definitely a miss and it, it's it's a little disappointing.
0: It is disappointing. Um, I I I, I kind of looked into the background of the movie to try to find out some more details about I, I don't know, like how how it got to feeling just so mediocre, like how just so acceptable. Um, as far as I can tell, film was shot in Australia, Chris Hemsworth's you know hometown, and right next to Taika Waititi's hometown of New Zealand, which is great. Uh, film features a ton of Chris Hemsworth fam Chris Hemsworth family. Which is, you know, questionable. A, uh,
1: a, lot of, a lot of people, a lot of the actors, not yeah. just Chris Femmes, a lot of like their kids yes. are in this film. Yeah, it's,
0: it's a family joint. Uh, Christian Bale did not want to be in this movie. Like, he, he very explicitly did not. Uh, he said, after Dark Knight, I don't want to, or after Dark Knight rises, I don't want to do any comic book movies. Apparently, his kids begged him. He said, he said he only did it for his kids, and they begged him to be in a Marvel movie. Please, Dad, be in a Marvel movie. And then apparently he almost backed out due to scheduling. There was some other thing, and he was just like, I don't want to do it. I, I'm, out of, I'm out of the movie. <laughs> and they got him, and he does great. Like, he's, he's he's one of the best parts of the film, which I think is funny. Um, I I think it just comes down to, you know, a shoddy production. And that sounds silly coming from Marvel because they spend $100 million on these freaking movies, but – yeah, there's a lot of really lame CGI, and a lot of it's shot on freaking green screen, and like characters just dropped into scenes with artificial lighting. There's a couple scenes in particular where I couldn't tell if it was all of them, but but Thor and then Mighty Thor, Jane Foster, uh, have CGI helmets, and they look so bad. They look so bad and it's like, oh God, anybody who sees these things can't unsee them and it trashes the whole scene. Kids are going to miss it because kids, you know, but like, my God, (laughs) what what are we doing here? Who's making these things? You know, good God. It has the
1: Fast and Furious thing issue going on where it's like story doesn't matter. Just like action, 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 humor, humor, just, you know, fireworks and explosions and entertain the audience for two and a half hours.
0: Yeah, and and like uniquely fast and furious. I can't speak for the next one because they have a new director, but like at least Fast 9 like at least it knew what it was. It knew when it sent two characters to space that it was it was ridiculous in a joke. And it knew when they had John Cena on an endless zipline in the climax of the film. Like they knew. Everybody <laughs> making that movie knew how stupid it was, and it kind of leans into the joke and it works and like it invites you along for the ride. And I think that's what Taika Waititi wants this to be, but somehow like it becomes the very thing he's trying to make fun of. And like, it just feels hollow. Thor's got a couple of like speeches in here that are really bad, like really, really bad. And are not interesting or funny. Uh, the trailer's got most of the actual laughs in the movie. There's like a couple others, but it just, I don't know. I didn't find myself laughing a lot. I, I, am not even sure if it passed a six laugh test. It, it's, 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 It's fine. It's acceptable, you know? Um, But God, Marvel's got to do more than acceptable, man. Like, outside of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, if you like that one, a lot of people are really mid on it. There's just not a lot exciting going on here (laughs) anymore.
1: Well, and that, that brings us to another issue is we, again, have kind of zero direction on overall the larger direction of, of what Marvel MCU is, is going towards uh, there. There was a stat that came out that we have almost a hundred hours of content in phase four, not just the films, but also the TV shows. And none of it really makes sense altogether. It doesn't really connect. It's not really going towards. And again, when we talk about phase one was six films and five and a half, if you count the Hulk. Uh, and so you had, six films and the six includes Avengers. So you had five individual films, then the group movie. And we are on, I don't know, like, like six or seven films, six or seven, uh, shows. And what are we doing?
0: Yeah. There was a tweet last week that somebody posted like, just showing how many hours of, of, like, pure content go has gone into each phase. And, like, phase one of the Marvel Universe is, like, six hours. It's, like, six movies. Or, like, eight hours, right? It's it's the first few. It's co- first couple Iron Man's Captain America, like, small. Phase two is, like, 18 hours. Like, 20 hours. Phase three is, like, 40 hours. Like, that's a lot of content. Phase four, where they're at right now, including, like, Marvel series on Disney+, Plus, which they've explained as a part of this is like over a hundred hours of content. Like it's so bananas. And, and I guess, I don't know. I just thought Thor was going to cut through that noise. Right? Like, and that was a silly expectation to put on this film. You shouldn't go into a movie expecting more than it's going to be, but but man, like it 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 had all everything set up right. All the pins were ready for Taika Waititi to knock him down here. Get get with Chris Hemsworth who's looking bigger and musclier than ever before. Bring back Natalie Portman, like do some exciting stuff. I I don't know. <laughs> it's it's just it's fine. It's fine. Like it's it's acceptable, I guess. <sighs> Any other thoughts on this for recommendations? I don't know if I'm starting to talk around myself. Here.
1: I'm ready. Uh, Andy would you
0: recommend Thor Love and Thunder
1: if you're a diehard Marvel fan and you've seen everything and you've seen it all in theaters you probably want to get on board I, I mean I thought it was I thought it was fine like it, it is a lot of fun there's a lot of action pieces there's a lot a lot of jokes uh, the plot and narrative is kind of all over the place it's not super engaging doesn't really have that emotional depth that Ragnarok had or some of the earlier or other Marvel uh, friends if If you're not a huge fan, I would say save it for streaming. It'll be out on Disney Plus in in a couple months. Uh, You're not missing much, uh, and it's a little long. It's two hours, 15, 20 minutes or so. So, uh, mostly save it for streaming unless you're a big fan.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Just, just wait till this is on Disney Plus. Don't bother. Yeah, you're not going to see anything here that's going to blow your socks off. I don't think it needs to be seen on the big screen to enjoy it. If anything, watching on a smaller screen might hide some of the bad CGI. Um, you know, there's other exciting movies coming out soon. Uh, there's other stuff in theaters you can go see. And you know, watching something like Top Gun: Maverick, like at least being able to see like the physicality of the action in there, and makes you appreciate, you know, the the feeling of adrenaline you're getting, the dopamine, serotonin firing in your brain when you see these scenes. Versus what's happening here, like this feels dry. It feels milk toast. It's it's fine, you know. It, but it doesn't. I don't think it does a great job of wrapping up any kind of Thor storylines. I don't I don't think it has any kind of satisfying conclusion that people are going to need to see. It's just it's fine. It's it's fine. Oh, it's I, thought we,
1: I also thought we were maybe retiring Chris Hemsworth at this point. I thought Natalie Portman was going to maybe take over. Uh she's kind of I think she's just signed on for this film. Uh, so who knows how how many more And it also begs the question of how many individual films can you do on a character before it gets super stale?
0: right yeah it, it, it feels like they've, they've set everything up so if, these, if this tests well and they can spin off and do a series for anybody they want
1: like it's it, it, it,
0: it's fine it's acceptable that's Thor Love and Thunder <laughs> hooray yeah uh, can't wait to see what Marvel does next Um, with that we should move into our next segment uh, Andy I'm going to take I think I'm taking the first movie in here but you want to at least introduce the uh, introduce our bit here it's time for the trailer park So the trailer park for new listeners is when we talk about, you know, upcoming trailers, new things that are coming out, things we want to maybe see or cover on the show, things you should know about to be an informed cinema goer. Uh, This week, we've got four movies to talk about, mostly stuff coming out in September and then one in November. I'm going to get us started with a movie called, I should take this off Facebook. There we go. Boom. Movie called See How They Run. So See How They Run is a murder mystery following a desperate Hollywood film producer who's looking to make a play out of a film production, make a film out of a play. And uh, mis- members of the cast start appearing dead <laughs> in, in, in the play hall where they're filming this. And uh, our, our crack inspectors, uh, played by Sam Rockwell and Sersha Ronan, have to solve this puzzling who'd done it before. I don't know. Everybody gets murdered, I guess. Uh, looks a little bit like uh, Knives Out, right? Uh, it's a comedy mystery. I don't know when it's set. I'm going to guess this is like, I don't know, the 1940s. 30s, 40s. Yeah, 30s. Yeah. Uh, it's a goofy looking comedy from director Tom George, who. Interestingly, hasn't done really nothing exciting. This is kind of his first feature film, as far as I can tell. He's done some TV, uh, but it's got a really stellar cast. Uh, we got Sam Rockwell, Saoirse Ronan, Adrian Brody, uh, Harris Dickinson, who's the kid in that new Kingsman
1: movie. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Andy, what do you think To <laughs> see how they run? This looks like a lot of fun. Uh, your comparison to Knives Out is really apt to it that's what it reminded me a lot of it's a murder mystery big group of people kind of quirky uh inspectors uh Saoirse Ronan in particularly uh Sam Rockwell is like the established uh experience inspector and she's like the the young up-and-comer she's and there's this funny bit where she's Accusing everyone to murder, she's like, "You're under arrest. You're under arrest." And he has to stop her. He's like, "No, not yet. Like, no, you're getting ahead of yourself." Yeah. Uh, this looks like a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, Saoirse Ronan's all, always a joy. I haven't seen Sam Rockwell uh, in anything in a long time, and, and it's got a got a big cast, a uh, fun cast. Everybody: Yellowell, uh Adrian Bro- Brody, Ruth Wilson. Uh, looks like a lot of fun. It does look like a fun. Uh,
0: that's coming out in September. Uh, we don't have an exact date yet. PG thirteen. I don't know. Keep an eye out for see how they run. Uh, well, Andy, what's next?
1: Next is the <laughs> Munsters, which is the reboot remake. Uh, I'm just starting to. Yeah, I've coined a new term, which I'm going to use now, called uh, IP resurrection.
0: Okay, I'll take I'll take IP resurrection.
1: Uh, this is an IP resurrection of. The Munsters, the uh, show from the 1960s, about uh, kind of this horror family, a little bit of like an Adams family. Uh, I remember actually watching this episodes of this when I was growing up. This show was only <laughs> on for two seasons, but it, it ran in syndication for ages and ages. Um, and it's been remade in kind of this grotesque living color by Rob Zombie. And this this might be one of the worst trailers I've ever seen in my life. Like it's really it, bad. Th- it. It looks like a straight to, to DVD TV series. And it's supposed to be a, a feature film. Uh, it just looks terrible. Terrible color. Like, it's like they kept that 1960s aesthetic, like humor, everything. And it didn't really. I mean, I guess the makeup's better. Makeup and costume's better. It just looks awful. It, it's like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't show it to my kids. I wouldn't show it. Like, I would be I like, let's go watch, let's go watch a Pixar movie. Yeah. Let's but, go watch Minions or, yeah. or something. Like it lo- it looks, it looks terrible for everyone involved. Parents, children.
0: So um, I, I'm not a Munsters fan by any means, but I, I, I was so astounded by how bad this trailer looks. I had to go do some research and find out more. Andy's right. The Munsters ran for two seasons. There was an animated series. I think there might've been a movie at some point. Otherwise, this IP has been bounced around uh, to different creators for years. In the early 2000s, uh, the Wayans brothers owned the monsters for a while. Uh, they were going to do a thing with it. They were going to like reboot it and make a series. Apparently, around 2013, Seth Meyers uh, from Saturday Night Live and Late Night with Seth Meyers, he got the rights to the monsters. He got it from the Wayans, and he was going to do a thing where the monsters lived in modern day Brooklyn but we're still the monsters, right? So that was going to be like the gag. It's a little, you know, they're fish out of water. Um, but that never came to anything. And so Rob Zombie finally got it and is producing this movie in Hungary uh, with a cast and crew you've never heard of under a production uh, team that has made some of like the trashiest movies you've seen in the last decade. I, I don't have their name right now, but I talk about it more. I'm sure we'll talk about the monsters more. Um, and originally, like when they revealed this movie, which apparently was shooting for like 10 months, by the way. Insane production schedule. I don't know what the hell they were doing. Um, but when they originally released like a cast photo, it was in black and white. Uh, the movie features... Three of uh, Rob Zombie's, you know, fan favorite people for casting, his wife, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie, his best buddy, and then another one of his friends who've all been in his movies, House of a Thousand Corpses, whatever. But anyway, like first look at this movie was in black and white and people thought, oh, maybe it'll be like the original Munster series. It actually looked kind of good in black and white. And the trailer features a few scenes in black and white that looks pretty good. But then it goes to color and it's like oh no <laughs> this, this looks awful just just looks terrible
1: you know this is actually one of those properties that that would benefit from the gritty reboot yes. that we were doing yeah for, H- for a while H- hugely like me like, like make it you know pg-13 horror or pg horror if, if it's aimed for yeah which kids. you'd think but somebody like can't...
0: zombie would be prone to do but but he he's claims yeah, he's, he's a fan he... of the
1: original He's he's made some really you know well-known horror films that are pretty extreme. So it, maybe you can't do that with this property, but you it could at least be I don't know something yeah interesting, no. maybe a little scary. But this <laughs> it looks so bad. It yeah, looks he so claims bad.
0: he's a big fan of the original and loved it, and he said he wants to make this for the kids. This is this is for kids who are going to come to love the monsters just <laughs> like he did. But the story is how Herman Munster and his wife met which is not a kid's story like who cares right like just 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 real real clumsy real real bad don't if you want to laugh go check out the monster trailer <laughs> it looks so awful it looks like it was shot on an iPhone like in 2006 like it just it just looks terrible uh and speaking of bad reboots uh we need to talk about the trailer for Clerks 3 uh, again so, okay, yes
1: i i, I, I... IP Resurrection.
0: IP Resurrection. Kevin Smith has returned to the view-esque universe of old uh, to make another Clerks movie. What he claims will be the final one, just like he said Clerks 2 would be the final one. Uh, In Clerks 3, Dante and Randall, uh, two layabouts extraordinaire, return to working at the quick stop from Clerks 1, and after a sudden and uh, arresting heart attack, Randall decides he is going to make a movie, and he sets out to shoot Clerks 1. I think that's the plot of Clerks 3. Uh, Dre and Silent Bob are back. The movie is in color, unlike Clerks 1 uh the reason i want to talk about this movie is because i really like clerks and i even kind of like clerks too and i will go see this movie in theaters but my god it does not it does, if you're not a fan I, I liked, it does not look good
1: i liked clerks too it looked funny this this actually you know what this reminded me of actually was uh, the matrix resurrections because yeah. it's like it's very meta it's a movie about a movie because the plot seems to be like we're gonna make a movie about ourselves right the which is like of the first movie yeah
0: yeah the joe dante gremlins 2 sequel that like is analyzing the popularity of the first film more than like being a proper sequel yes this this is a this is a response kind of movie Uh, you know i don't know people people didn't look all right Kevin Smith's looking, looking thin after his heart attack. I'm glad he's come back around. And for what it's worth, like, yeah, I, I will go see this movie because I, I, I love those first two films. But what, what do you think, Andy?
1: I think it looks bad. And I, I liked how the second one looked. The trailer for the second one was was good. That It's it's a really funny movie. This ah, looks pretty bad. A lot of these characters are so old and so dated. <laughs> um, I mean, like, the first one came out, what, 25 years ago? 30 years ago almost? yeah. Uh, it's, um, it, it's I, I, been, I don't have exact it's been a while um, it's been a hot minute and, yeah uh, it's, it's oh, great. and it's also just the, it, it's not really continuing any kind of story it's like it's a movie about the, f- the making of the first movie of uh, it's it's very meta
0: yeah Br- Brian O'Halloran who plays Dante looks terrible <laughs> And and the kid who played yeah. Elias in the second movie is in here, and he's almost unrecognizable because he's gained so much weight, and it's just like, oh god, like I I can appreciate a movie about life feel, passing you by, honestly, like I I get it, but um, man, like I they're, they're, this has got to be it. There's no way there's another one of these. I mean, this is this is the the, the beginning of the end. Mm.
1: Yeah, it, it's just um, like is it Rosario Dawson looks amazing has an aged di- a day uh Dude, coming off yeah, like the set
0: of, of ahsoka doing star wars stuff now he she's doing great lovers already does ben affleck's in this movie sure why not <laughs> 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 jason Mews is sober clerks three uh coming in september with an unannounced date uh one more movie before we talk about mad god andy please take it away
1: amsterdam uh, so this is a new film by David O. Russell, who, of course, did Silver Linings Playbook. And The, the Fighter, He's he does kind of Oscar-worthy or Oscar-aimed uh, focused films. Uh, works with uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Christian Bale a lot. Uh, this stars Christian Bale, uh, Margot Robbie, and... Oh, I can't think of his name. Christopher John David Washington. Uh, it's a as really three good cast, th- yeah. Right, and it's a bigger cast than that. Those are the kind of the main three U three players. It's set in the thirties. They are three kind of wartime friends who they witness a murder and are subsequently suspected uh, of said murder. And they have to kind of uncover the truth and also clear their own names. And it has a, a big, similar to uh, what's the first movie we talked about? See how they run. It's it's another. It's a murder mystery. It's funny. It's quirky. It reminds me of, of Knives Out as well. Um, huge cast, like I said. Christian Bale, Anya Taylor-Joy, Margot Robbie, Robert De Niro, Zoe Saldana, Timothy Oliphant, Rami Malek, Michael Shannon, Mike Myers, uh, Andrea Riseboro, Taylor Swift, John David Washington, Chris Rock. I mean, it's a lot. It's a huge, huge cast. Uh, it looks like a, a, a lot of fun. Christian Bale has. Uh, he plays this doctor who has uh, like a prosthetic eye which they make a lot of gags out of. And, you know, it's it's a kind of lighthearted film, but it, it's slated for, I think, a November release. So it's definitely going to be right in that Oscar window. I think this looks like a lot of fun. Definitely looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, uh, the poster they've released for the film is just the cast list, followed by (laughs) logo, and the cast list reads like the best Oscar bait you've ever wanted to see in your whole life. Yeah, like stunning cast. Uh, David O. Russell I'm I'm okay on. Uh, Since this movie came out, uh, there have been some postings of things he's done in the past, which are not great. I don't know if you've looked into any of that, Andy. Um,
1: I I have not. I've been would you enlighten us?
0: Yeah. So there's a great clip of him screaming at some actress on set. Uh, like he gets so mad, and he just starts like, like for ver- oh god, verbal abuse, all kinds of stuff. That's a movie made in the 90s. I don't recall who exactly it was, but he's just like he loses his going mind full honor. Kubrick on her, going full bail, right? Like Christian Bale, Terminator <laughs> <laughs> Salvation. I'm sure that's why these two get along. Uh, and then there's some stuff about some things that happened with his niece that doesn't sound great. Uh, I, I was reading a couple articles about it and I was like, Ooh, ah, okay. This does not read great, but apparently nobody who works with him decided this was a concern because the guy has made some good movies, including American hustle and silver playbook. Um, do your own research on David O. Russell, but this movie looks super good. And I, I hope, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I hope the things I was reading aren't true because I, that would really put a pall over this whole thing. It looks like a really fun movie and I, I, I hope it's great stuff uh, coming out in November, uh, November 4th, I think is the date we're expecting it, but I don't think it's been formally announced. So yeah, that's Amsterdam. Uh, and with that we should move on to our final film the episode uh, this is a unique feature this is a movie that I didn't uh, didn't really prepare for I had seen some local screenings in the area at like indie theaters like the Texas Theater and thought maybe we should go check it out and when I mentioned it to Andy and a buddy of ours uh, our buddy Matt uh, who, who, who has a Shutter subscription said hey you should just come over and watch it our, and watch it at my place we all got together we had a couple of beers and we watched Phil Tippett's Mad God <laughs> so mad god Oof. is a uh, a stop motion animated horror film uh that is very abstract this is going to be bold cinema bold cinema is what this is uh mad god is the product of 30 years of toil and sweat and work from master stop motion animator Phil Tippett. Phil Tippett is one of the brilliant minds behind the stop motion in films like RoboCop, uh, the CGI in Jurassic Park that still holds up amazing, the CGI in Starship Troopers that still holds up amazing. He worked on Return of the Jedi, putting ships together for industrial light and magic. Uh, He worked on Empire. Uh, He has worked on incredible films over the years, like putting together some of the most amazing stop motion effects you've ever seen. And while he was doing this, on the side, he came up with this idea for this movie called Mad God. I don't even know if he had called it Mad God back then. And he started filming scenes in his workshop just slowly, right? Like on a weekend, he'd put together a shot and he'd film it. And he'd put together this later. And this it ends up becoming a project that's over 30 years of work. He had help with other like startup animators who wanted to get into the business. And he was like, well, come over to my, my shop and we can work on this movie I'm making called Mad God. Uh, he had a friend do the score, which is stellar. Um, And when it finally comes out, it gets limited screenings. Some people go see it and it goes to Shudder, the horror service, which is where we watched it. Uh, This is our first review for a Shudder film. Um, We'll talk about Shudder a little more towards the end of the review. Um, Mad God is a really odd movie. Uh, It is the story of a what looks like a miner. He's called the assassin uh, in the summary of the film who hops in a corroded diving bell and descends from the heavens uh into what looks like the earth but as he keeps going deeper and deeper it becomes this like horrific nightmare <laughs> escape these levels of insanity and depravity uh and gore and horror the likes of which have never been seen and once he reaches the bottom he hops out with a briefcase and sets out to uh do something. Uh, Mad God is a really odd movie, uh, and I'm excited to talk about it. Andy, what did you think of
1: Mad God? This is really a crazy film. Uh, it's very experimental, avant-garde. Uh, not for uh, kind of the casual uh, film goer. There's a lot going on in this, and you have to. F- it really challenges the audience. You have to kind of figure out what it's saying. It's like looking at abstract art. or something like that Uh, because again there's no dialogue there's no real clearly spoken narrative uh, other than our you know our our protagonist kind of heads through multiple layers of this (laughs) post-industrial hellscape where it's just filled with different horrors and grotesqueries of manufacturing you know I think there's a lot of parallels to you know things in the real world economy capitalism class struggle things like this uh, but, again, nothing is told to you. There is zero dialogue. You just have to read into it. Um, but then there's other parts of the film that are different from that as well. There's a long section of this kind of cloaked, uh, hooded figure carrying something through. I, again, like a wasteland of – Again, it's very much up to interpretation. Um, I definitely l- liked it, but it's it's something else. Luckily, it's not super long. It's, it was only 80, 85 minutes. Um, I think it does have a lot to say. It and it does look incredible because the sets, uh, the all the miniatures and and dolls and I mean it just must have taken an excruciating amount of time uh, to make this. Uh, but it looks looks phenomenal. It's definitely I've never seen anything like it. Uh, that's for sure. But it's probably not for everyone either.
0: Yeah. So you heard right. Uh, there's no dialogue in this movie. There's none. <laughs> Nobody ever utters a word in 83 minutes. You do get an opening text crawl, which Andy is quick to point out is some Star Wars shit that needs to go.
1: <laughs> fair. I, I kind of agree. I, I don't mind. No, I don't, I, let me clarify. Yeah. I, I don't mind a text crawl every now and then. I think the Star Wars text crawl needs to go. Yeah, I think that's fair. In Star in Star Wars. Yeah, but well, they're working on That's a separate off, right? conversation.
0: That's, yeah, Rogue One didn't have one. Solo didn't have one. They're, they're trying. Um, but uh, Mad God is... More, yeah, Andy's right. More like abstract art, like really, a, a, than than like tr- a traditional narrative structure. There, there is you know a main character that you kind of follow. Uh, there, there is kind of a, a a protagonist and a goal that he's setting out to accomplish. And as you watch the film, that kind of unfolds before you, um, but it's never given context. Like nobody ever pops on screen and explains what's happening or says, "Oh, here's why we're doing this." Like. Never happens. Like you, you are entirely expected to look at these visuals and then judge for yourself, whatever that means to you. Uh, this is described as a nightmare, 30 years in the making, which is exactly how I describe it, too, because it's just kind of this freakish, <laughs> unruly design of, uh, of, of abnormalities um, that I really enjoyed. Alternatively, uh, if you're not getting a whole lot of narrative, what you should know walking into Mad God uh, or watching it on Shudder is you are going to get what is probably some of the best stop motion animation I've ever seen ever. Um, Amazing, amazing visuals in in some of these scenes. Some of these miniatures are so good looking. And he has these camera pans that look so thoughtful, like in practical lighting that looks so, so good. Uh, everything is covered in this grime and grit and dust and blood and gore and, and horror that looks amazing. Like, I've never seen anything like it. No no CGI will ever look like how Mad God looks, like, because it has this this, like, tangible feeling of, like weight and structure it's like you can see the fingerprints and the hair and the sweat that goes into everything and that makes this like horrific underworld that are that our assassin is traveling through that much more tangible and that much more obscure and it it, it gives everything this pall of like horror over it that's just fascinating Fascinating. All presented with no dialogue and really fantastic music. Uh, I I don't recall who the composer is. I'll look it up on IMDb while we're talking about it here. But um, Mad God is is special, (laughs) and and I think I really like it. It's not without its faults though. Uh, Andy Andy mentioned uh, in the middle of it there is a a large section of live action. This is a blend of media. There is some live action alongside the stop motion. Uh, and it does feel a little like in those bits. I was like, this is where they couldn't, they just didn't have the time to do the stop motion. So they were like, well, I'll just film this. It's fine. Um, it yeah. does have a narrative purpose, I think. I, I, with the bits that are live action, I think they're live action implicitly. Um, I think it feels planned that way. But additionally, it feels a little short. It's 83 minutes with credits. And then an opening text crawl. Like, so the actual content is less than 80 minutes and it, it, it goes fast. Like before you know it, the movie's over, um, which is surprising. Uh, and also, you know, no dialogue kind of hurts. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't have to have dialogue, but like, I don't know, a little context for stuff would have been cool.
1: Yeah. It reminds me a little bit, of, if you've seen, uh, Koi Aniskazi, the, uh, it's not Philip Glass uh, I can't remember the director but that, that was a film that came out in the 80s that was kind of about man's destruction of, of the planet and it's just an hour and a half of just audio and visual there's no dialogue there's no like main character it's just a, a series of images set to music and lots of things happening a lot of industrialization that that sort of thing um, this film is in that same vein you're you're just seeing. A lot of things going on and it's up to you to interpret what all that means yeah
0: oh my god andy you're not gonna believe this uh the music for mad god which i'm sitting here praising uh the composer for this movie did tombstone rashomon (laughs) didn't we watch that we watched tombstone rashomon we were really (laughs) really middling on right am i crazy
1: Yes, yes,
0: Yes, we absolutely watched that movie. Anyway, sorry. Go back and check out our review of *Tombstone Rajman*. I can't tell you what episode it was on, but, you know, they're all on. They're all available on Spotify. All places. Uh, I love the music in this movie, and I love the visuals in this movie. I, I do like that That feels like there is kind of a central plot. You can keep up with our kind of lead, and the film follows him for most of the movie. Um, and that at least gives you, like, grounding in this crazy bananas world. I, I love the presentation of these like levels of insanity our characters dropping to because when the film opens, this kind of diving bell just descends from like a string or a cable up in the heavens and goes past like this this layer of like crust of the earth that is just like war and bloodshed and and bombs going off. It descends through one level and you see some weird fossils that descends through another another level. You're getting big giant fossils, then it keeps going and then by the time you get to the bottom, like you have no idea what you're going to be getting into, and that's where you're getting into this like factory world, like of of conveyor belts and and workers who are just crushed and <laughs> and demolished the second they get in the way of 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 whatever the the product is. I think that's where you start to get these elements of like capitalism, right? This this world that is deemed by uh, to be run by industry first and profits over people. Uh, and certainly there's some musings on that, I think, but the film starts to get a bit more abstract in it's later, later bits, uh, uh namely with a shift in, in, uh, narrative structure, uh, when we kind of bounce between our bleed protagonist and a couple of other odd characters, uh, and that's where it starts to get real weird. And I, I wish, I wish you'd been able to keep kind of this, like, I don't know the Structured narrative that's in its first act and even kind of the second act, it does start to lose me by the end. And I was, I didn't disappoint it, it was too short. I would have watched more of Mad God. Uh, I wanted more of Mad God. I was, I was, I was bummed at the end. I was like, that's it. <laughs> where's, where's the rest? Uh, but you know, you spend 30 years making a movie, I get it. At some point, you got to put it out, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I was going to mention the uh, soundtrack is uh, available on Spotify, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I just added it to the uh, to our fan, I should add a link to this. Uh, I have a Spotify playlist, um, notable film soundtracks, and uh, so just added Mad God to that. <laughs> nice, I'm gonna go check that out.
0: Yeah, overall, like, I, I, I was actually really pleased with Mad God. Um, it's, it's a challenging film to recommend. We'll get to recommendations at the end, of course, before we get to it. I do want to talk about Shudder a little bit. Uh, Andy, have you ever looked at Shudder? Because it was the first time for me. I was surprised.
1: No, that was uh, the first time I've seen anything on there before.
0: Shudder is a $5 a month streaming service, a la Apple TV, right? Same same idea. Five five bucks a month. Much much cheaper than the usuals. Also, much more limited library. Uh, Shudder is exclusively horror. They had a lot of folk horror, indie horror, bought a bunch of John Carpenter's libraries in there. They're missing a lot of like universal horror, right? You're not going to get any classic monsters you're not going to get anything really modern nothing from bloom house which is a damn shame it'd be great if they got together um but what it's worth i was actually impressed with what's on shutter they also have a channel feature that just runs horror movies constantly so you can get in there and just discover new stuff from the striking visuals and you know whatever you happen to tune into um but yeah i want to take a minute to talk about that because we've never you know subscribed to shutter talked about shutter and what it's worth shutter's kind of cool and that that's where you can watch mad god if you'd like
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and uh yeah i think it's about it any anything else for recommendations i think i'm ready
1: andy would you recommend mad god yes with a lot of caveats definitely recommend it to fans of horror fans of kind of experimental avant-garde surrealist films uh if you like things like memorial which we watched before uh, i'm thinking of vending things being john malkovich just films that are kind of way out in left field that aren't very mainstream that you're probably not going to see even in the the cinema if you like that that sort of thing uh definitely check this out uh if that's not (laughs) your bag completely understandable like i'm not going to recommend this to like my mom or (laughs) anything um Maybe not for you, but if you're, if you're curious, if you're interested, it's not very long. Uh, if you want to see some surrealist avant-garde horror stop motion, uh, then this is the film for you.
0: Yeah. I think if you're curious enough about Mad God to want to know more, like you should totally check it out on Shutter. I think they have a free trial. If not, it's five bucks. Um, if you are turned off by the sound of any of this, not the movie for you. Mad God leans all the way in with what it's doing. Like it, it is, it is very implicitly its own thing. And if you are turned off by the sound of any of this stuff, like it's probably not going to be your back. And that's totally cool. But if you're willing to venture into the dark, if you're willing to dive down deep with our assassin into the 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 unexplainable horrors of hell. Then you might just see some pretty incredible stuff. Like I, I really think this movie is cool. I need to go back and watch it again. Uh, I liked Mad God a lot. It, it, it might be. I, don't know, I can't. I can't say it's one of my favorites of the year because I think it came out in 2021. Despite my. Uh, honorable here. mentions honorable mentions baby yeah i think that's where it's going to be uh and with that we should honorably mention that that's our show that's everything we got going on today andy uh what are we watching next week
1: we are seeing jordan peels nope uh his long awaited third film a uh, horror film starring daniel kalua and kiki palmer uh we just know it it, it involves some uh horse uh, enter, entertain horse farmers uh, <laughs> horse owners rather horse uh, horse. and aliens ranch owners it, <laughs> ranch own horse, ranch. in the uh, <laughs> hollywood horse ranchers thank you uh that involves some sort of alien invasion or something kind of like that uh i'm really excited about that love jordan peele love is his previous two films which were uh get out and us really looking forward to the to that that's this friday in theaters only and then we will also be checking out the gray man which is the 200 million dollar action film from the russo brothers of uh avengers endgame fame uh the stars ryan gosling and chris evans uh as like spies and it's spy versus spy uh affair anna de armis is also in the, in there uh being the beauty that she always is and phenomenal actress as well uh it's on Netflix, so I guess we're watching <laughs> it. haven't heard good things. Heard it was very expensive. Uh, but we'll be back uh, with those two uh, next week for full reviews. Yeah, I know early
0: reviews are, are not always like a good guiding light for what's coming, uh, but for what it's worth, like I've heard nothing but good things about Nope, and I've heard nothing but middling things about The Gray Man, so we'll see. How could The Gray Man be bad? It's directed by the Russo brothers of Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. It's got it's, Chris it's, Evans and Ryan Gosling and Anthony
1: It's got that N on it. It sure That's does.
0: Why. Yeah, they can spend that $200 million. Yeah, it's got a big Netflix logo on the side so we'll see uh if you enjoyed the show today you can follow us on facebook where we live stream the show every tuesday unless i have covid uh sorry again uh you can follow us on youtube where we upload our live streams we're on instagram we're on twitter we're on all the usual podcast outlets itunes spotify google play iheartmedia we have a website offscript and you can write us correspondence at mail at offscriptreview.com but if you want to keep up with the show Keep up with your boys here at Offscript. The best thing you can do is just subscribe. Just subscribe to the show to get new episodes delivered straight to your phone every single week as soon as we are done uploading them. You can also follow us on Facebook where the live streams are. I know I mentioned that before, but the live streams are fun. Ho- ho- hop on in here. You know, you might 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 just get a shout out on the show. Who knows? Anything could happen here on Offscript. And uh yeah, that's our show, episode 183. From all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema. I'm Zach Lewis.
1: And I'm Dr. Draper.
0: Thanks for watching.